Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, guys. It is good to be with you one more time on the Holy Man podcast. And uh, we are in episode 30. So that's the 10th one of this semester that we've been in as we've been talking about communication. And we've been looking at ways uh, to how to get our communication better. And, and you know, I was sitting with a, a couple this morning uh, doing some counseling. Uh, they've been struggling with some different things. And it was amazing as we were talking about communication today and as we talked about some of their issues, some of the, the difference of their personalities, uh, you know, being a guy, being a girl, and and their personalities and, and their love languages and all those different parts of who we each are and how we communicate out of that personality that we are. And, and then bringing our faith into it, you know, it just, as we looked at all those different pieces of the puzzles and we started practicing communication, they were amazed as they started to love each other through their communication and communicating well, being assertive, saying what they mean, meaning what they say, and listening well with a third year, as I say it, listening beyond just the content into the feelings and the emotions behind of what we're sharing. They were amazed at how they started to feel loved by the other. And so it, as we talked through, and then we started looking at some of the scriptures that, that God has in there that talks about communication. And as we went through this semester, I hope you realize how many places throughout the scriptures, from the beginning to the end, where God talks about our communication. Because God gets it, how stinking valuable and important it is to our relationships. The better we can get at communication, the better our lives are. So guys, I, again, I'm going to keep encouraging you. I mean, this, this is where we start, and this is where we're going to end this season. This prayer out of Psalm 19 is so valuable. Put it in your hearts. Memorize it. So you, as you go into these moments where you struggle, that it's on your heart, and God can use it. The Holy Spirit can use it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's just one of those many, many passages that we can look at. I want to look at another one as we get kicked off in here because it's such a cool one. And this is one, every once in a while when I'm looking into the scriptures, I love going back into the uh, literal Greek a little bit. I have a really cool Greek Bible. And sometimes I look at the literal Greek words just to see how it plays out. You know, usually we're all reading the, the NIV or the New Living Translation, one of those other translations that take the original Greek and the Hebrew and put it in a language that we're used to. And that it's perfect sense. That's why we do that, so that we can better understand God's Word. But sometimes it's fun to play around. And here's one of those passages that, I, as I looked at it, it's Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Uh, just hear how, this, how we fumble around when we look at the original Greek. It goes like this. Be walking with wisdom toward the ones outside, 
redeeming the time. Okay, I get it. That's terrible grammar, but that's the original Greek. We continue on. Your speech always being with grace, having been seasoned salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Again, I get it. That's fumbling around. But let's just look at some of those little pieces of those two verses. And as we grapple with it, what does it mean for us with our communication? So the first thing, it it talks about uh, as we walk with wisdom towards one's outside. What does that mean? Well, as Paul was writing this, it could partly mean those completely outside the faith. So people that don't know anything about God or Jesus, it could be that, but it also could simply be meaning those who know different wisdom of God than I do. It could be somebody that maybe maybe you're mature in the faith. Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, and maybe you're interacting with someone who's relatively new to the faith, a new believer. Well, you have a lot more wisdom from God than they do, and so that is kind of what Paul is talking about here, to be able to share that wisdom that God has. But it also could be someone that just maybe knows something different than you. For instance, Pastor Mike and I, we both know a lot about the Bible, but there's certain areas of the scriptures that I know a little bit better, and there are certain ones that he knows a little bit better. So this is simply Paul saying, the wisdom that you have, Paul, may you be willing, as you walk towards Mike, may you share some of that wisdom with him. Make sense? And same thing, vice versa for him, that he needs to be able to share some of the wisdom that he has that I might not have as much of so that we can both bless each other, okay? So that's one's outside. That means someone outside the faith or outside the wisdom that you might have from God. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, he says, redeem the time. What does that mean? Well, guys, have you ever wasted time before? Duh. <laughs> we all have, right? We all had those times where we just, we were vegging. We were wasting time. We were doing things that didn't have a lot of value to life. We, we've all been there. I know I have. If you haven't, wow, you are out of the norm. Well, if you are near someone who you could pour into, who you could share wisdom from God with them, no matter whether it's your wife, your kids, a coworker, someone out in the sports field, it doesn't matter who it is. If you have that opportunity and you don't do it, what Paul would say here is that's a waste of time. So he says, redeem the time, take advantage of the time. If you have an opportunity with wisdom from God that you can pour into another. And then he says, also, he says, have grace filled conversation. What is that? Well, that is when you have someone in front of you, who's a sinner. Maybe it's not necessarily someone that's hurting you at the moment, but it's, it's a sinner. And so they don't deserve love because they sinned. They walked away from God. But in every moment when we have someone who's a sinner, which that's everyone in front of us, we look at them through the eyes of love. We love them unconditionally with our conversation. That's grace. That's willing to have a conversation with someone who has the potential to hurt me. Maybe they already did hurt me but I still come to them and I have a conversation with them through the perspective of Christ on the cross. That's grace. That's love, that I love them with a conversation. And then there's this fun part. It says seasoned with salt, conversation that's seasoned with salt. What the heck does that mean? Well, Jesus kind of mentions this back in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount where he says that we should be the salt of the earth. Okay, what does that mean? Well, looking at salt, what what good is salt? Okay, salt 
we all know it as we put it on food to enhance the flavor. When salt is added to food, man, it just makes flavor pop. It makes it really good. Uh, we add it to just, well, you might add it to anything, uh, some French fries. Uh, some people put it on fruit or vegetables. We add it to make the flavor stand out, to make it extra tasty. Well, that's what our conversation should be. When we're in a conversation with someone else, it should be tasty to them. We should taste like salt to them, making our conversation just pop, being exciting to them and flavorful. Also, back in that time period, salt was used for preserving meat, keeping things from being rotty, from going bad. Well, that's what our conversation should be like. If, if it's salty, our conversation should be a blessing to others, preserving uh, our relationships, making them better, not causing them to rot. And then another big area was back in that time period, salt was used as money. I might give you a pound of salt and you might give me a chicken in return. You know, it was, it was worth something. It had a great worth to it. And so thinking of that, our conversation then should be worth something to someone else. As we share a grace-filled, loving conversation with others, it should be worth something. It should be tasty. It should be preserve our relationship, not cause our relationship to rot. Does that, isn't that amazing? Just that little phrase and how important it can be to help us understand how great our conversations can be. And then lastly, uh, it, it shared that understanding of how we ought to be ready then to answer each one, no matter who's in front of us, we should be ready to answer them. So again, God's wisdom that we have in our hearts. So if we're walking with God, we all have some form of wisdom in our hearts. God puts it there. He loves us. Just knowing that, that's some wisdom. So God's wisdom and saltiness that we are salty and grace-filled makes great use of our time. You know, after a conversation with us, People's lives, as someone walks away from having a conversation with them, with us, they should be blessed. Their lives should be better than they were before. That's what this passage is sharing. Let me just share it one more time. This is in the New International Version of the NIV. It says, be wise in the way you act towards others. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that, here's the so that, so that you may know, <clears throat> excuse me, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Everyone, guys, everyone that God places in front of us, if we approach it from the heart of God with the wisdom of God, we should leave every person in a better place than what they were before. <laughs> How's that? Guys, that's an amazing challenge for us, isn't it? to be able to make other people's lives better with our communication. And that's what we've been talking about this semester. And guys, we don't always get it right. For instance, last episode, I didn't get it right. Uh, do you remember that, guys? We were talking about judging others. I was having a conversation with Mitch about that. And we were talking about judging others. And I brought up this scenario where I misjudged somebody, uh, my buddy JR. Uh, as he was walking down the street, I looked at him and I saw... Uh, tattoos, and I saw uh, piercings and crazy hair and clothes, and, and I misjudged him. Now, as I shared that, a couple of you came up to me and said, wait a second, Paul, does that mean that you feel that tattoos and piercings and crazy hair, that that's bad for us, that we shouldn't have those things? So just how I communicated about that, you guys went there, and that's not what I was saying at all. Now, here's the thing, back then, in that moment, I might have thought that way. 
because I was raised in a family dynamic where we grew up in a very small town and I grew up in a family where we just, nobody got tattoos. I don't know of anybody in my family back then that had tattoos or piercings if you were a guy. And we didn't do, I think I was one of the first ones that did crazy hair. I had a mullet when I was in junior high. And that was crazy hair for my family. That just tells you how plain my family was. We just didn't do a lot of crazy things. And because of that, maybe I had the misunderstanding, again, hear me say, the misunderstanding that people who did some of those things were maybe out of the norm or maybe a little eccentric, maybe doing things wrong. And I was wrong in that judgment. That's why I misjudged Jr. You know, my son now has a tattoo. I have guys on my staff that have tattoos and staff uh, uh, piercings. So I know I, I look at people now. I've changed a lot in 25 years since I've had that moment with Jr. That moment helped begin a process of God changing me that I now look at each individual person as a child of God, as someone who God loves and adores. And we all have things in our lives that are just messed up, guys. But I still want to look at each individual person on the merit that they are God's and that God loves them unconditionally. And that's where I now start with people. Back in the day, maybe I didn't do that. But God has changed me. Thanks be to God. He has changed me and the Holy Spirit has changed me to look at people differently. So uh, uh, am I perfect? (laughs) Ask my wife, ask some people who know me well. No, I'm not. I still get things messed up regularly. But do I believe that God is still changing me and making me into a new guy, a better guy? Yes, I do. I truly believe that. You think about how important our communication is, guys. There's just an example. I'm talking about communication, trying to share God's heart, and I messed it up. Some of you misunderstood me because communication can it can happen so easily. You just think about some of the areas that we've talked over the course of this semester. We've talked about divisiveness, argumentative, being a person who complains a lot, retaliates, hasty speech, boasting, flattering, manipulating, belittling, cynical, people who are know-it-alls or self-absorbed people, harsh, tactless, rude, discouraging, doubting, judgmental, self-deprecating. Holy crap, guys. <clears throat> And that's not every way that we can get things wrong. There are so many of those areas that each and every one of us, we struggle with at least one, probably multiple of those areas where we just don't get it right all the time. So here's a question. What would it look like, guys? What would it look like if every single one of us allowed the Holy Spirit to change us in one of those areas, just one, and make us? get us better, whether it's because of the scripture, whether it's because of our conversations or holding each other accountable, whatever the reason might be, but the Holy Spirit gets us better at just one of them. Imagine how our relationships are going to get better just from that. Now, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us in multiple areas, wow, people around us are going to say, wow, you are saltier or better at bringing life into my life than you were before. Guys, how valuable and important this communication is so important. All right. I want us to look at one last problem as we close out our time here. One last problem. And it's, it's interesting. Most of the other ones, if not all of the other ones, are things when we open our mouth, when we say something or say something incorrectly or 
you know, however that comes out. But this time we're going to look at a different, we're going to look at the, the old silent treatment. We're going to look at the problem when we in our communication are silent. Now, I know that in certain times, like instead of boasting, instead of being a know-it-all, instead of being rude, you know, there are times, and we'll talk about this at the end, there are times when silence is a good thing, and we've talked about that. But there are times, several different reasons, where in our communication where we are silent and we shouldn't be. And that causes problems in our relationships. For instance, what about in our relationship with God? You know, when, when we're in our, in our relationship with God, we're sinners. I don't know if you know that. If you don't know that, you need to read the Bible a little bit and realize, you know, as Paul says, we all sin, Romans chapter 8, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We're sinners, right? Okay. Well, if we have that sin in our heart and we know that there's a separation between us and God, and we're not walking right with God because we're allowing that sin to still be part of our lives, what do we do with that, guys? Well, I think about, you know, David, <clears throat> excuse me, it's in Psalm 32, and David realizes that he has a sin going on in his life, and he is, has kept it there, and it has separated him from God. He knows that he keeps walking in his sin, and he's struggling with it. Well, in Psalm 32, all of a sudden that changes because he goes from silence into a better place. Check this out. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1, it says, Oh, what joy for those who, whose disobedience is forgiven, those whose sin is put out of sight. Do you get that? We have joy in our lives if we get the sin in our lives out of sight. So verse 2, it says, Yes, what joy for those whose, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. So in other words, we have this thing between us, between us and God, and it's called sin. But how blessed we are, how much joy in our lives when our, we share in honesty that we let God know we're aware that we've sinned, God, and we share, we have this honest conversation with God instead of pretending or maybe ignoring God and just letting the sin stay there. So David, he gets this. In verse 3, he says this. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Have you ever felt like that, guys? When you know that you had something before God, who knows what it is? Maybe it's because you hurt your wife in some way, or maybe maybe you've been looking at porn. Maybe you... Uh, the list goes on. Maybe you've told a lie. Maybe you're embezzling from your job. Maybe you've done some of these things that we've talked about in our communication badly. All these different things. When we have that sin, you know, it puts a separation between us and God. And David says, when I had that going on, man, it just weighed on me. It's like a huge, heavy burden on my shoulders, and it just weights me down. Verse 4, he says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. So David says, God, just knowing this burden on me, it, just, it was so heavy on me. Guys, have you been there? Have you felt that way? So what do we do? If we have that separation between us and God because we know we have this sin going on, God is willing to forgive us. God is longing for us to turn to him because he will erase it. He will take it off. Like David says, he will share the joy with us. So what do we do? Verse five, David says, finally, 
I confessed all of my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what happens? And you forgave me, and all my guilt was gone. See, here's the thing, guys. When we are silent before God, when we have this sin in our hearts and we're not willing to confess it to God, it's it weighs on us. It's a burden there. God is always, the cross is already there. Jesus has already died for that sin. The question is, are we willing to turn it over and give it to God and say, God, forgive me? Here it is, God, because when we do, we hit the cross and the grace is right there. He forgives us. The question is, are we willing to? Listen to David's heart. He gets it. He knows how God works. He knows of the grace. He knows of the unconditional love, but he was he did the silent treatment with God. For so long, he did the silent treatment until finally he confessed. And once he confessed, he, he was smacked by grace. And God took that sin. It says, as far as the east is from the west, the sin is taken away from us, and we are found in grace. That's one of our silent treatment things, guys. When we are not willing to confess, it hurts our lives and brings burdens to our hearts. So, number one, Guys, confess your sin. Have have a moment with God. Look at the struggles that you have, the sin that you have in your life, and just say, God, please forgive me. I, I, I get it, God. I've broken your heart. Forgive me. And look at the cross and realize that you are forgiven. Another area where we practice a silent, silent treatment. Well, how about when we, when, we, when we have a pain against us, when another person... Let's say it's my wife. Maybe my wife, uh, that I do something to my wife. Or maybe she does something to me. Let's go look at it this way. My wife says something wrong. She does something that hurts my heart. And, and what do I do with that, guys? Well, what's it say in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15? It says, if another believer, so Karen, if she sins against me, that I should just be silent to her. I should just bottle it and just hold a grudge against her. Is that what it says? Well, no, not at all. Instead, it says, go privately and point out the offense. Have a conversation, a grace-filled congregation. Going back to that Colossian passion, share grace. If the person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So again, if Karen sins against me, if she hurts me in some way, now there's now a separation between us. There's a cavern between us. There's pain between us. And if I let it there, if I'm silent about it, it's going to stay there. And maybe we'll be able to you know, push it under the rug for now, but guess what? It's going to come up again because we haven't dealt with it. Jesus says, don't do that. If someone hurts you, go to them and have a conversation, a grace-filled conversation with them. Hopefully, they will respond with grace. Hopefully, they're going to respond and say, yeah, I get it. I did hurt you. Please forgive me. And we can share grace. We can share forgiveness. And then our relationship is healed, and we move on. But if we don't have that grace-filled conversation, that sin is going to continue to stay between us. Man, I see this so often in our marriages. You know, that we, I practice this a lot with counseling where, because so many, many of us in our marriage, guys, how many of you, when our wives do something that hurt our hearts, what do we do? We bottle it. We stuff it down. We push it under the rug. We go down to our man cave and we just stew about it. We don't 
have a grace-filled conversation and it just stays there in front of us until it comes up again and then we get upset again, but we don't have the grace-filled conversation and it's there and it's ongoing there, it's there, it's there, and we don't ever deal with it. Silence in these moments continues to make our relationships worse, not better. For so many of us, we think, okay, I'm just going to stuff it. I'm just not going to deal with it because that's going to make, instead of having the conflicting conversation or dealing with the conflict, we think that is going to be worse. No, not if we lead with grace, not if we're salty, not if we come in with care and love for this, our spouse or whoever it might be. Do you see what I'm saying, guys? Jesus shares truth with us that to be silent makes the relationship worse. Guys, I get this. This is me. When Karen and I have a conflict in the past, especially until I started learning the truth, man, I was a bottler. I would just stuff it down and just brood on it until it came up again. And then it would come up and we'd have another major conflict and I would stuff it. And it just kept going on and on until I learned the Jesus way. And the better I get at bringing things out and leading with grace and having a great conversation, when I do that, when I get it right, man, our relationship's better. But when I don't, it's not. You know, now guys, there are good times to do this and not, you know, for instance, when we're in the heat of the moment, when you are really ticked off about something, or if your wife is, that's not the best time to have the conversation. Take a timeout. Timeouts are great, but step away but be willing to say, let's talk about this tomorrow at seven o'clock and set a time because then you can pray about it and you can talk to God about it so you can lead into it with God's grace and his love and let him guide that conversation. Love each other. That's what Jesus says with this. Love each other through it. Grace leads and then good things can happen. Okay, another area. How about not speaking up when someone else is hurting in some way? Now, this can happen in a big way, you know, world poverty. We need to speak on behalf of that. We need to be willing to say that we've got a problem out there in this world, and we need to figure out how do we do better. We need to speak up. And sometimes it's a smaller way, you know, where someone, we can be walking down the street and someone, we see someone else get hurt by another person. Well, I know in our generation, we get our phones out and we videotape it, right? Well, that's not the best thing to do. Sometimes we need to step into the fold and speak up in a grace-filled, God-loving way. That's what we are called to do. We are, you know, throughout the scriptures, we find so many places where the least, the last, the lost, the widows, the orphans, the poor, the needy, and the list goes on of people who God says, we need to be willing to stand in the in the fold. We need to be willing to speak up for them in different ways. You know, we do that as Christians in so many different ways. Uh, you know, we speak up on behalf of the Women's Resource Center, Blessings in a Backpack, the Purchase Project, the Yes House, GARF, and the list goes on of different organizations that we are connected to in different ways here at New Life that we speak on their behalf. Sometimes it's by giving. Sometimes it's by uh, walking a walk. Sometimes it's by wearing a t-shirt. Whatever it might be, we might communicate on their behalf. Well, there's other times too, guys, when we see someone hurting and we have an opportunity, when we have those moments when we have an opportunity to speak up on their behalf, God says, do it. Do it with grace, do it with love, do it with justice, but be willing to speak. Okay, one last area. This is another one might challenge us a little bit. It's uh, those moments when we are silent, when we have an opportunity in front of us, front of us to simply share the gospel, the good news. 
You know, First Peter chapter three verse fifteen it says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord." So again, God is God; we are not. So how do we respond? Well, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. So Peter is saying, you know Jesus. We revere Jesus. We say he's God, and we demonstrate that by us being willing to share the good news of Christ by sharing the hope that we have in our lives. I get it, guys. For all, for so many of us, this is a hard one to do, to be willing to talk about Jesus with someone. So many of you that are thinking right now, I don't know how to do that. I'm unprepared. I don't know the Bible good enough. You know, we think that there's, we just can't do that. But guys, this can be as something as simple. If somebody asks you, where do you get this hope? Where do you figure out ways to uh, share, to uh, live life the way you do? If people are wondering, how do you live your life because you're living for Jesus? How is your life so good? Where do you get your joy? Where do you get your peace? The simple answer for you can be, why don't you come to church with me? Because that's where it can be start. Come to church, come to New Life with me, and let's talk about Jesus together. Come to my life group together, and let's just have a conversation about Jesus. That's all you got to do. Just invite him. I mean, that's what Jesus said to the disciples when he was starting to call the disciples. One of them said, well, what's going on with you, Jesus? And he simply said, come and see. That's all you got to do. If someone asks you about the hope that you have or the joy or the peace that you have in your life, just simply say, come and see. Come, come to church with me. Come sit with me and let's go on this journey together. It's not that hard, guys. You know, silence, silence has its place. And we learned that in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. There's a time for both. And sometimes we need to speak up. Sometimes we need to be silent. The question is, God, help us figure out when is the right time and how's the best way to do that. Because again, some of the times when we're getting our communication wrong, it's better for us to be silent. But guys, there are too many times in our lives where we have the opportunity to be salty. We have the opportunity to share grace and love with someone else in some way, and we are silent. We are missing out on the opportunity to redeem that time to make someone's life better. So what do we do? Well, I invite you. Guys, pray. <laughs> pray, pray, pray that God will help you to know the difference of when we should speak and when we should be silent and when we should speak up. May the words of my mouth, right? May the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's the prayer, guys. That's what we lead with. Let's go back to that passage again out of Colossians chapter four, starting in verse five. And again, let's hear this passage once more, where again, Paul says, be wise in the way that you act towards other people, people who have different levels of wisdom of Christ than you do. Be wise in the way you act towards them. Make the most of every opportunity, guys. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, why? So that you may know how to answer everyone. So that you may be life-giving 
instead of life taking so that you may take that same grace that you've learned from Jesus to share it with others so that you can make people's lives better because of what Jesus is doing in your life. Guys, we all have freedom. We love freedom, don't we? We all have free will. We can choose to walk away from this semester and do nothing. We can choose just to keep our communication, our conversations. We can keep them exactly where they were 10 weeks ago. Change nothing. And we, you, that's your choice. We get to do that. Now you think about how foolish that would be to hear God's word that he has shared with us, the many, 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 many Bible passages that we have looked into that helps us to see the better way of life. If we would choose to simply say, not going to do it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to do things my own way. Well, if you, if that's what we choose, we're going to get what we get and life will not be as good or, or we could be intentional. We could be intentional to allow the Holy Spirit to take some of those Bible passages, some of those conversations, some of those principles that we have learned, that we have heard, and we could allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, to enter into the conversations that maybe we have struggled with in the past and allow God to do something new with us, to share life with others, to make life better for others. And in making life better for others, guess who else it's going to make life better for? Yeah, us. So guys, as we go into, as you're finishing this up, we're getting ready to go into the holiday seasons, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and we all know, I mean, <laughs> as much as it's supposed to be joy to the world, we know it's sometimes stress to the world. It can bring stress. The financial part of it, the busyness of it, the parties, the conversations that we have to deal with, uh, all those different pieces of the puzzle, we have the potential for a, a, some, some tough days. Or we have the potential for some amazing days, amazing opportunities to have great conversation, grace-filled, salty conversations that leave other people in our families, in our communities of faith, in our life groups to be in a better place because of how God used our conversation to bless them. What will you do, guys? How will you go into those days? Well, I hope that this semester has helped you out. I know it's helped me out a lot. I know some of you have told me that this has really been good for you, and it's been good for me too. And I love the conversations that I've had in life groups and in counseling sessions with you. So uh, guys and ladies that are listening as well, uh, I just pray that each and every one of us will be blessed by God, that our conversations will bring life to us and to others, and that as we head into the end of this year and into a new year, that we're going to see the possibility, the hope-filled possibility of life getting even better simply by how we converse with others. <laughs> it's life-changing, guys. It makes our lives more holy, following Jesus. That's it. Well, guys, I hope you had a great time with me this semester. Next semester, uh, I'm already looking forward to, I think what I'm going to be doing next semester is we're going to look at some dudes, some dudes in scripture, some of their stories. Uh, uh, some, some of the dudes are guys that maybe we haven't looked at very much in the past. Some of them are going to be ones we know already. We're just going to look at how they live life. We're just going to, I'm just going to pick some great dude stories, man stories in scripture and see what we can learn from them 
and how we can apply that to life. So some great stories. I love stories. Hopefully you love stories. And that's what we're going to do next semester. I'm pretty sure. Never know. We've got a couple months before we do that. So uh, I'm going to take a break here. We'll be starting kicking back off in early February. So guys, until then, I just pray that uh, for all of you, you'll continue on a journey of being holy men. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Guys, ladies, be blessed.